0: This is Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. I'm Nancy Solomon. New Jersey has returned to the COVID pandemic of last spring, with more than 4,000 new cases every day and the governor's scrambling to try to flatten the curve.
1: Hockey is in our crosshairs, okay? So I'm not sure why, but we are hearing more than anecdotal, more than here or there, a lot of noncompliance, including by parents. A big federal stimulus sooner than later with a lifeline to small businesses, restaurants, folks who are unemployed, that would be a game changer. There's no witch hunt and our contact tracers are not uh, out to snitch on anyone. Their sole focus is on making sure you know that you have been exposed so you could take the steps to protect yourselves or your loved ones, your community, period.
0: What kind of action do you want from the governor? Call us with your questions at 844-677-9283. Listeners, do you want more closures or less? What are your questions about the first vaccines arriving possibly as soon as in the new year? We'll also be taking your questions via social media using the hashtag #AskGovMurphy. The number again to call is 844 677 9283. We have Governor Phil Murphy on the line. Good evening, Governor.
1: Hello, Nancy. Good to be with you.
0: How are you feeling? It's been kind of a rough start to the holiday season.
1: It has. I mean, I'm feeling concerned, to be honest with you, and I don't know whether or not you want me to give you a sort of uh, 90-second overview of where I think we are, but I'm happy to do that. But we're in the thick of it. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give a, just a quick sense. Sure. Uh, I think most people did the right thing for Thanksgiving, and that's a huge credit to New Jersey. up and down the state of all political stripes. So uh, that that's a good thing, and we just need to keep that up. So what's working against us? I, I think we've got a very rough two or three months in front of us. I hope I'm wrong. I think our behavior can, can impact that to make it less rough i'm not sure it, 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 we could break the fever as it, as it were um, there were some things going for us we've got a lot more capacities beds ppe ventilators we know a lot more about this virus it's moved to a younger demographic that doesn't mean our seniors are not still most vulnerable or folks with comorbidities so those are uh, those are but that's a reality y- younger Healthier people are getting infected, and, and thank God they're, they're living through this. Um, but uh, up against us, we've got enormous pandemic fatigue, uh, transmission in private places that are hard, really hard to enforce. There's no amount of law enforcement that can get into everybody's living room. Um, you, you've got um, the holiday season, as you rightfully pointed out, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Advent, Christmas, New Year's, Boom, 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 right out one after the other. The weather is colder, so we're doing everything we were doing three months ago outside. We're now doing it inside. That's the that's what's before us. The good news, other than we know a lot more we've got capacities, and this really is good news. These vaccines are real and they're coming soon. Uh they won't be broadly available, my guess is until probably April or May, but they, they're gonna start to come, Nancy, maybe as early as next week. Uh so healthcare workers long-term care residents, other essential frontline workers at first, and then you sort of go out in circles from there, a little bit, if not a lot like our testing priorities early on when we had you know, very scarce testing realities. The weather will get warmer. The epidemiological curve will start, God willing, sooner than later, based on our behavior. That'll start to go in the right direction. So the punchline for me, next two or three months, really tough, we can impact that with our behavior, but I think it's going to be tough um in any event. We can make it less tough and then I think really, really good news followed I hope by an economic recovery um almost a spike i think on the on the back of the uh the spring uh better better days. that's where I'd be right now
0: well. You know, this is our last show of 2020. Is that really? It is, Go and uh, I think you, me, and our listeners are probably pretty happy to see this year in the rearview mirror oh, at this God. point. Um, but we want to do something a little different tonight. Uh, we want to. We are. We always solicit questions online at. AskGovernorMurphy.org, and we get hundreds of questions each month, um, and I can't ever possibly get to all of them. But tonight we're going to leave all the questions. I'm I'm not going to. None of them are coming from me. It's all going to be our callers and the folks okay. who wrote in online, and we're going to try to rip through as many of these. As we can.
1: And I will be as economical as I can in my answer so we can do that.
0: Thank you. So, to start, uh, we got a huge number of questions, and we have, you know, for the last several months, uh, a huge number of questions from people who have been waiting months to get their unemployment insurance check. I'll just read from one, uh, but she represents many. We got of the, the same kind of question. Mary from Long Valley writes, why can't I get through to NJ unemployment? Every morning when I call at 8 a.m., I get a message that due to high call volume, I should call again the next day. I contacted my state senator, Anthony Bucco, and he said the New Jersey Unemployment Office is ignoring his calls and he, as he tries to intervene for his constituents. So, Governor, for Mary and for thousands of others, how long does it take to start receiving an unemployment check, and why are people having to wait so long?
1: I would just say Tony Bucco is a, is a good friend and a, and a good guy. We're, we're not ignoring him, and I will take care of that separately. Rob Angelo takes every one of these in, in requests very, very seriously, and I will go out, I'll go out of my way on a commercial break to get them on a text together to make sure they speak immediately. More importantly for... Um, for Mary and the likes of her, you know, I, these cases and the reasons why folks have not been able to get their unemployment uh, uh, insurance uh, and benefit paid have overwhelmingly been unique to the individuals. Um, and that's been the case probably since maybe May. Now, to hear Mary, and I'd and, and, and like, and as we always do, Rob, and Sarah Angelo's listening. we're going to follow up, and I don't know whether or not you can give us the entire list of folks who have come to you online, uh, but we will follow up with each and every single one of them. Uh, nobody should have to wait. Now, we have chopped through Rob and his team. I think they've done an extraordinary job. Every American state has been in the soup on this. They've chopped through this as much as any uh, state. I think they've paid 96% of folks who have been deemed to be monetarily eligible uh, have gotten uh, at least one check. Uh, but it's, it's, it's unacceptable. So there there are two types of people here that don't have it. One is it's very unique to them. They work in New York. They live in New Jersey it is one uniqueness. There are others. But for somebody who can't get through is is unacceptable. And I know our folks are working their tails off, but Nance, if I could get Mary's details, if I could get any other details you have, I will get them, we'll get them to Rob and his team, and I will tell you that by the end of the day tomorrow, we will do everything we can to reach every single one of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... I. Uh... I, we can help you with getting in touch with some of these individuals, but I think it, there is a, you know, one through line through all of the questions, which is that people can't get a real, a live person on the phone, and it makes me wonder, like, I understand that it's a complicated, difficult process getting all of these claims process, but why can't you stand up a call center so that at least people can get through uh, and get sh- a live person?
2: Yes, you
1: should look at our um, our tapes. You and I, and we've been at this now for a while, we had a little bit of a pre- period in the spring when we we weren't doing these i have not heard i can't get through on your program in a while so i've heard a fair amount uh, i i got through and you all aren't processing my claim or there's some complication and those are the ones that are literally the, the i've called them the hand tailored suit um if there's a mismatch in people calling versus people answering the phone and again our folks i think have done a heroic job Uh, That's something that Rob and I will take on a revisement literally immediately. That has not been the big uh, surge of late. The surge of late, and I would say of late, six months, has been the uniqueness of a particular claim. But uh, listen, I want to get this right. I want people to get what's coming to them. So I promise you, if you give us the details, if there's a big uh, mismatch between supply and demand, I will get to Rob and we will try to figure this out ASAP.
0: Okay, let's go to the phones. We have Clinton in Woodbury on the line. Clinton?
2: Hi, Governor Murphy. Hey, Clinton, how are you? Hi, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for taking your time to talk to us today. Um, But yeah, going back to what you were just saying before about the unemployment line, um, I'm someone who definitely had that issue uh, going on early on. And it's not even the fact that they're not answering, uh, which is definitely an issue right now. They do not answer at all. It's impossible to get them on the line. Uh, but even if you do get an answer from an appeals tribunal, uh, they answer and then they say they're going to get back to you, and then they don't. Um, it's been well, that's, about that's two months since i filed an appeal, and they've not gotten back to me. I've, I've called them multiple times, and they keep saying the same thing. We'll put it on to our, to our supervisors, yep. and it's clear that they're not putting an effort into getting it done.
1: I wouldn't um, say that, Clinton. I, I would just—I'd I'd argue with the effort because these people are bur- burned out, like almost uh, not like healthcare workers, but they're right behind it. But it's unacceptable. I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, could, can we get your specific details offline? And 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 I yeah, promise absolutely. you, we're going to follow up with yeah, you. Absolutely. You have my word. That <laughs> um, you should not have to go through that. Period. I mean, and I mean that. I, I'm not trying trying to be polite to you just because you're on the phone. If you've if you're if you're deserving of it, you deserve to get it and get an answer soon. You've you got, you got to have some patience. I mean, there, we are getting, this is a year unlike any other, but some patience, patience is not unending patience. Uh, you, you don't owe us that. Uh, so to your credit, uh, I want to figure out how we can solve your riddle.
0: Okay, Clinton, thanks so much for the call. And um, we got a question from Joe in Jackson and this one's on marijuana legalization, is there any way to get a license to sell marijuana if you're low income and can't afford the cost?
1: Listen, one of the things we want to do is make sure, uh, and Joe, again, I'll have somebody, Dan Bryan is listening in. I'm not sure off the top of my head who I want to have follow up with with Joe, but we'll get someone uh, who makes sense uh, to follow up with him. One of the things we are committed to is to redress a lot of the injustices that came from the war on drugs, and overwhelmingly, that's social justice. That's you know, young persons of color, overwhelmingly men, who have you know paid a disproportionate price through being in the criminal justice system. Some of many of whom, in fact, have you know have a nick in, uh, from which they never recover. Um, it's also our objective. Uh, with our new uh, chair of the commission, uh, Diana Huenu, and our executive director, Jeff Brown, uh, and I know that there are other commissioners, will join them in the same spirit. It is also our objective to make sure this is not just a big company reality, which is what it's been in a lot of other states. We want to have a nice diversity and mix of, uh, yes, some of the big players, but also the mom-and-pop operators, Including folks who may not have the on paper the wherewithal uh, that you it may it may look like you need to qualify, so I don't know what Joe's specific situation is, but I promise you we'll follow up, and the spirit the spirit is very much in the direction of making the folks who do get the licenses diverse in every respect, including size mom and pop versus the big players.
0: Do we know yet what a license will actually cost? Any kind of ballpark there? We
1: we, we don't. Uh, I've got a meeting with legislative leaders, the Senate president, speaker tomorrow, uh, to talk about the marijuana legislation. So I, it, uh, bear with us on that front. The legislation needs to be done in December, and then the commission, which I mentioned a minute ago, has to take that legislation and then uh, go forth and, <laughs> and enact it. Uh, it it's going to take a while. Uh, but it will be a 2021 reality.
0: I have another marijuana question for you. An anonymous person in Sussex County writes, what field tests do you have for police officers to test for marijuana for impaired drivers? How can you pass legislation without having a field test that will stand up medically?
1: That's part of the commission's responsibility. And so I would just say that is an important piece of this. uh, And it is one that is still being worked out. Uh, and that does not necessarily, the fact that it may or may not be part of legislation, does not have any um, uh, implication toward how uh, much weight it will be given. This is a big challenge. We recognize it's a big issue for law enforcement. I don't blame them one bit. Uh, it's one that uh, other states, uh, I say this a lot, Nancy, i said it on your show a lot, I want to I get this done for the social injustices, but boy, am I glad we, were, we weren't first, uh, because a lot of other states have stumbled, made good and not good decisions, and this is one area where they've stumbled in particular.
0: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Jack in Monroe. You're on the air with the governor, Jack.
2: Hi, Governor Murphy. Hey, Jack. How are you? Uh, thank you. Very good, thank you. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, this is related to closing the uh, the pools. Uh, my daughter is a competitive swimmer. She's been swimming for eight, for eight years. Yep. And uh and it's pretty uh pretty brutal when, when the when the kids stop swimming because uh it's, um swimming is, is sport that they have to swim every day for a few hours to keep up with their yep. with their with their times. Uh, I, I read the C D C uh uh rules uh that say the pools are safe but but uh, you you in your last statement you mentioned that you you you're gonna cancel uh, the uh, you put restrictions on, on competitive swimming. Uh, what, what evidence does does uh, do you have, or how did you come up with that with that decision that COVID nineteen transmits on new competitive swimming? Yeah, Jack. Thank
1: you for the question. Um, and it's a good one, and it's not the first time we've heard it. So we haven't canceled anything. Uh, we've put in place a pause from this Saturday, December fifth, till January second for any indoor sports. Um, and. We are clearly, when we make a decision like this, it is not just to, to feel good. Uh, I, I have three boys who play in an indoor soccer league. They had uh, I haven't been able to see them uh, for months play. They had the first game of their winter season last night. They drew 6-6, by the way. Uh, and the rest of that winter season will be either postponed, it will be postponed because then that's the only game they're going to get off before January 2nd. So I'm a huge sports guy. I'm a dad. Uh, I'm like you. I want to see my kids have the mental health, the physical health, everything associated with indoor sports. We are doing this because we are seeing transmissions coming from indoor sports. I've mentioned hockey the most. Uh, I I can't tell you that I'm seeing any transmission in the pool, and that's what you're referring to, Jack, but here's the problem. It isn't what's going on in the pool. Uh, it It is the adjacent activities where we are seeing the spread, folks inside, uh, uh, parents or other folks who may be there, uh, locker room, uh, uh, adjacent activities to the sport itself that may be outside of the facility. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm not—I'm a big hockey fan too. I'm not trying to take it out on hockey or swimming or any other indoor sport. The fact of the matter is, it's also legally—we uh, can't split the baby. We can't say uh, be like saying Italian restaurants are closed, but uh, South Asian restaurants are open um just because we had some incident you you have to make a, a, a decision that applies across the board uh and again we have at, we we have data that supports this decision period full stop not necessarily from in the pool but from around the sport and some sports more than others I'd love to have the luxury of, uh, as I say, of, of, of dividing this sport versus that sport. I don't have that luxury. That does that does not stand up, and it won't stand up. Remember the last thing, Jack. I, I painted the picture when we first got on the phone here today. This is going to be a very tough two or three months, and then we're going to be in a much better place. I'm begging people, please, whether these decisions are popular or not, I'm begging you to please hang in there. Know that. I know that this is not normal. I know it's not fun. I know it stinks in many respects, but we have got to bear down, and if we do, we're going to be out of this thing in a much, much, much better place sooner than you think.
0: We got lots and lots of questions, a lot about, it, about swimming and competitive swimming, but a lot about many sports. Let me run through a couple of quick ones and just maybe if you can even give me a yes or a no before the break. So Kristen in Morris County wanted to know if gymnastics is included in this pause.
1: I think anything indoors that's team or institutional, but I will make sure all these that that I follow up. I don't want to misfire. So, for instance, if if you go, Nancy, by yourself to a batting cage and you're by yourself, that's not included. Uh, But if it's anything that's institutional or sports or team related, it is included.
0: What about bowling leagues? That was from David in Ocean County. I
1: want to. I want to make again. I don't want to misspeak here. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you on these. Dan Bryan is listening. I want to make sure we follow up. ASAP. Okay.
0: I'm going to try one more, even though you're are you're, you're unsure of some of this. But what about indoor tennis clubs?
1: Listen, I I the only the only thing I'd say in indoor tennis is you, you're typically not going to have a team. Associated with it, but I want to make sure I give you the right answer. We'll get back to you.
0: Okay, um, and we're about to go to a break. But l- just tell me a little bit more about this decision. Like, what kind of science is it based on when you figure out like what's bo- w- you know what to shut down and what to keep open?
1: Well, we have infections. We have transmission, Nancy. So it's it's actually fairly straightforward. We know it. As I said, legally, you, it, it, we're we're trying to be as surgical and precise as we can. So that's, that's my bias, to not use a blunt instrument, but we got to make sure these orders are upheld, and in some cases, you just don't have that option.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be taking more of your calls. I'm Nancy Solomon. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy.
2: You're listening to Ask
1: Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WNYC and WHYY. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 844-677-9283. Or send us your questions on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy.
0: I'm Nancy Solomon and we're live with Governor Phil Murphy. Governor, we're going to now go to Joe Hernandez, State House reporter for WBGO and WHYY with questions from that we're getting on social media. Joe, hey, what do you got?
2: Hi there. This question is from Cloris in Cedar Grove. Cloris says, the underinsured are getting billed for coronavirus tests, and some low-wage workers can only go on weekends when there are fewer sites and longer lines. What are you doing to make testing more available for low-wage workers?
1: Well, we're trying to – I missed the name, Joe. Who is it?
0: Uh, Clovis. 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 I'm sorry.
1: Clovis? Yes, in Cedar Grove. Okay, so covid19.nj.gov slash testing, Clovis. covid19.nj.gov slash testing is where to go. We have over 400 locations, um, and a lot of those um, have – the benefit of uh, actually a better situation on the weekend versus weekdays. Um, and um, you will also find on that same website how to found, find affordable ways uh, to get this done. So not just conveniently, but but where you, where you can, in some cases, in fact, get it for free. Um, the bigger question, I think, and it relates to this, or the related question, I should say, is um, just as we saw when this thing took off, um, in the early summer, around the country, when it had calmed down somewhat, in New Jersey, um, testing all the you know, all the raw materials associated with testing are in short supply. You look at you know we are back in the soup. The the numbers are going in the wrong direction, but boy, I, I'm not sure I'd trade our hand with anyone else's right now. Uh, the problem with that is the there's an overwhelming amount of demand for testing over the entire United States. Uh, If you look at, like, Los Angeles County, um, it's hours upon hours upon hours. So forget about affordability for a second. Uh, It's just capacity. So we are doing everything we can to get more testing, not just the PCR tests, where you have to wait a day or two to get your answer, but these antigen, you know, 15-minute turnaround, uh, 20-minute turnaround tests. Um, This ultimately, I was on with a medical expert this morning, as we are uh, most mornings, And um, he validated a view that we've had for quite some time. This is going to get sooner than later. Once we get some equilibrium here with a vaccine or multiple vaccines, this is going to be uh, very much like a home pregnancy test. It'll be cheap. It'll be self-administered. And it will be at home, not requiring PPE or some third party uh, to be involved. Uh, We're not there yet, unfortunately, Cloris. So we're going to stay at it. You know, we still test among the top per capita states in the country. Um, that slipped a little bit because, as I say, there's a lot of competition for the raw materials associated in the test kits around the nation right now.
0: We also had a question, um, not so much focused on testing for whether it's free or covered by insurance or what what's available for. Uh, the underinsured. But uh, we had a question from Jake in Essex County. This is a little bit of a long, detailed story, but I'd like to read what he wrote. In the last week of November, my girlfriend had to get tested for her job at an assisted living facility. Over a span of two days, we contacted or visited possibly near 10 testing sites. These included urgent care facilities, primary care practices, pharmacies, and pop-up testing sites, some that are open only twice a week. Every single testing site either turned her away or didn't answer the phone at all. By 9 a.m., every testing site in the area was no longer giving out tests for the day. Appointments were booked three days out in advance at multiple pharmacies. Why is it that testing is now so hard to receive? If demand is higher, why are we not meeting this demand? How can the state of New Jersey fight this pandemic without adequate testing?
1: Um, that's an awful story, first of all. So I've got nothing but sympathy with that. And Dan, Brian is listening. I want to get somebody to follow up with Jake. And Was it his girlfriend? he said? Yes. Uh, literally tonight. We are, this is not, this doesn't, doesn't excuse. First of all, I wish I had a mag- magic wand, right? So I wish America had a strategic stockpile, and we were prepared for this pandemic nine months ago. We weren't. We were flat-footed, and we're now, as a state, in the business of PPE, of testing, of vaccine distributions. Those are lines of business we were never in nine months ago or ever before then. So if I had a magic wand, we'd have unlimited testing, uh, uh, raw materials and unlimited tests. We don't, as a nation, still. Uh, Again, uh, I'm not making any light of Jake's girlfriend, because that's completely and utterly unacceptable. uh, but we're not, you know, we're, we're probably, as I say, per capita, we're better than most. Um, uh, but that doesn't excuse it. Um, and I think if you, again, I want to repeat this website, covid19.nj.gov slash testing. Uh, there are over 400 options. I can't tell you, I don't know that I, exactly how many are in Essex County, uh, but in the high populous parts of the state, there are a disproportionate number of uh, uh, locations, as you can imagine. One thing going forward, sooner than later, and we're now on regularly with the Trump uh, team trying to get these materials. We don't have them yet. We want to make anyone associated with long-term care, you don't get through the front door without getting tested. Um, and now we've gone. We announced the other day it's now every 48 hours we want to make that as soon as we can get the raw materials for these Abbott Binax Now tests. We want to make that every, an everyday reality. We don't have the supplies right now to allow us to do that. But we're now on, this is even since late November, so this is literally over the past couple of days, Jake's significant other um, is uh, neat, and we're mandating this with long-term care uh, uh, facilities, that they they have to have a testing regime at their location, Uh, and it has to be on a regular. There's a very specific guidance that's put out, Uh, and so God willing, she'll be able to get it uh, uh, much more easily through that route.
0: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Leo from Morristown on the line with you. Leo, you're on the line with the
2: governor. Hey, Leo. Hi. Hi. I'm a 10-year-old kid from Morristown, New Jersey. I'm in fourth grade, and I would like to know, what is your plan for school? Are you going to prioritize um, a certain grade level, or are you going to prioritize a grade level to be in virtual
1: Leo, what a treat to meet you, man! Um, can I ask you, Leo? Right now, what are you? Uh, what's your school? Are you hybrid or are you you virtual or are you all in person?
2: So I'm all in person. Um, Normandy Park School, School District, and we're going half day, five days a week. Yep. But sometimes back to virtual, back and forth.
1: If somebody like if the, if there's infections.
2: Yeah, like, I think there are limits to infections. If there's two infections in the school, we close down. If there's one infection, it's quarantine class.
1: Yep. What a great question, man, Leo. You're
0: you're getting all smiles here in the studio. Oh, God, come
1: on, man. (laughs) This ought to be Ask Ask Leo. (laughs) the heck with me and you Nancy. Uh Leo should be the the uh Leo's going to be a governor. Uh great question. So let me just take a minute on this one and I said I'd be economical, but on schools I got to I got to lay in on this a little bit more. Um we we said this from way back in the early summer this is not going to be a normal school year. Uh and anyone who thinks it is hasn't been paying attention. Uh and so we just all have to accept that we're doing things that we never thought we'd have to do or never thought we would do. Um, Our principles are, number one, safety, period. Number two, high-quality education. We are the number one public education system in America. And number three, equity. Not everybody's got it the same. Not everybody's got the luxury of the extra room, the Chromebook, uh, a parent who could stay home, whatever it might be. And then wrapped around that, flexibility. And so the, the numbers are plus or minus... 450 to 500 districts or schools that we see over, oversee are in a hybrid, so some sort of cohorting. Um, a couple of hundred are remote. That number, Those numbers shift around, uh, depending, as Leo said, if you had an, uh, infections, you'd be, maybe go to remote for two weeks if you were hybrid, et cetera. There's probably 100 districts that are all in person and a few dozen that are a combination. So, Leo, there's a fair amount of support and belief if you look at... And, by the way, our in-school transmission experience so far, I'm knocking on wood, uh, has been within reason. That doesn't mean it hasn't been stressful. Bless our educators. Bless our parents. Bless Leo and all the kids, the administrators, the staff. This has been highly stressful. But the in-school transmission uh, reality, now going on, it's actually just about three months since we've been in school, is well within any expectation a bigger issue Nancy has been folks getting you know getting exposed outside bringing it in there is a there's a uh, I wouldn't say overwhelming but there's a large body of of uh, research and science that suggests that the sort of pre-k up through just above where Leo is up through fifth or sixth grade is really um, uh, the safest of the the grades just based on the realities of kids that age, transmission, asymptomatic spread, et cetera. And then it gets a little trickier as you get up to middle school and, and even more so in high school, where you've got outside school behavior in high school, which is much more of a factor. Right now, Leo, uh, it, it, you could be in a district where one level is being treated different than another. That might also have to do with, does the elementary school have a ventilation issue that the middle school doesn't? That could be a factor. So there's some of that in our districts, uh, but for the most part, districts have been moving as one. I will just say this, Nancy, I've said this before, and I'll say this to Leo. We've got about the same amount of kids in school in New Jersey as in New York City. They have one school district. (laughs) I think while it's complicated and it makes life harder because we deal with each one of our districts on a one-off basis, I think it's a blessing that we have the flexibility with hundreds of districts, where we can move one way in one area based on a transmission pattern or some reality in the building's ventilation or whatever it might be, whereas in another one, we can we have the luxury of moving in a completely different way.
0: We heard a lot from teachers over the past week or two. I mean, we always do, but uh, we got a lot of questions uh, sent to us. Um, from a, a main focus was Somerset County. We heard from a number of teachers. In Somerset county, who um, I'll read you one of them said, uh, while administrators are permitted to work remotely from home, teachers are forced without choice to teach remotely from school to students who are at home. There is no logic and um, you know so there there appears to be i think there's uh, Somerset County is now in yeah. zone you know an orange zone, and uh, the teachers are upset that everyone's staying home except them
1: okay." Um, Take that deadly seriously. Um, I'm on with educators all the time. I'm going to ask my colleague Deb Cornovaca to follow up. Is that a particular person who who sent that to you, Nancy?
0: Yeah, but I don't have that person's name in front of me.
1: But it, can we get yeah. it from you afterwards? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Listen, I mean, we we uh, I, I don't want to repeat what I just said, and I won't. We take that sort of input very, very seriously, and bless. Our educators. We have the number one education system in America. We have the number one educators in America. Nancy, can I change the subject?
0: Okay. Just Maybe. Go back. Which subject?
1: <laughs> I'm going to go back to something because I don't, I don't want to leave the record open here. Sure, sure. Okay, so indoor competitive sports, team practices and competitions are prohibited. Private fitness classes, lessons and training at gyms, studios and similar locations are permitted. Lap swimming is permitted.
0: Okay. And uh, so wrestling, like a wrestling club that is also a team sport?
1: Is not permitted.
0: Okay. Um,
1: And by the way, again, folks, I'm not happy about this. I know folks aren't happy. Count me, I'm not happy either. Uh, And this is four weeks. We, We have just got to do unusual things We've, stepped the, we've kept the state open. Everyone said, well, you're gonna, Murphy's going to close it. We've kept the state open. We've kept schools, for the most part, in one form or another open. Restaurants are open. They're not open in the way they want to be, and I don't blame them for that. Um, gyms are open. Um, you know, We are doing everything we can to keep this place as open as we can. But if we see transmission and we see the data that underpins that transmission and we know if we can move a, a, a chess piece on the board – that can get at that, even if it's temporary, which this is, we're going to do that.
0: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Stephen from Jackson on the line. Hey,
2: Good evening, Stephen. Governor Nancy. Hey, question Stephen. is about vaccines. Thank you. Uh, has any thought been given to getting vaccines into our prisons? I know it's unpopular, they're crowded, impossible to social distance. It would protect guards, staff, and inmates.
1: The answer is yes. Stephen, I can't tell you exactly when, if we begin getting the Pfizer vaccines next week, and again, this is subject to the FDA's emergency use approval and the Moderna the week after, I think we would be getting in the month of December plus or minus 300,000 doses. I I probably, Nance, and by the way, let me just finish Stephen's question, and we'll begin with health care workers, long-term care residents and workers frontline, essential, uh, but early on is vulnerable populations. In our prison population, both the the folks who are in the system as well as the the brave uh, law enforcement and other staff members uh, will be prioritized. I can't tell you exactly when that happens based on what I've just said, but it is sooner than later. So this is well before the broad population, and that's the way it needs to be. We've lost folks in the system, criminal justice system, We have lost and I've spoken to families of more than a few of folks who work in those systems, including brave law enforcement. Uh, Nance, I think everyone needs to hear one other thing about the vaccine. Uh, A couple of things. Number one, it's in the mid to high 90s percent effective. Based on everything we see, it's safe. If we don't think it's safe, we're not going to tell you to take it. Thirdly, these first two vaccines require two jabs, not one. One of them are 21 days apart, one of them 28 days apart. They each require sub-zero, minus 20 degrees Celsius in one case, minus 70 degrees Celsius in another, in the other case, storage, which means this is really complex. So the progress, the development, is overwhelmingly positive. Um, We're working morning, noon, and night with the Trump administration as well as the incoming Biden team, but the execution and actual distribution of this is very, very complex.
0: And how much discretion will you as governor have to determine sort of the priority order of vaccination versus what's coming from the White House?
1: Yep. We have a plan that Judy Persichelli, who's done an extraordinary job working with an independent group of advisors that she has that looks at, at questions of equity. You know, we've said this on this program many times, communities of color have paid a disproportionate price they need to be prioritized i mean so there's there's a plan that our independent Judy and her team as well as an independent group have not only vetted and they've been meeting since march since march and and that's important to note our our intergovernmental task force was established on Super Bowl Sunday february 2nd the vaccine this independent group has been meeting since march uh we needed to get it approved with the cdc nancy i would say broad broad uh, if not uh, overwhelming overlap between the CDC view of equity and priority, as with ours, okay. so there was some amount of com- comment period back and forth, but uh, largely, overwhelmingly, this is this is the order of priorities that we want and believe in.
0: Okay, let's squeeze in a quick question from Joe Hernandez. From what we're getting on social, Joe.
2: Sure. Here's a question from Ryan in Sussex Borough. He says. Governor, how would you feel about adding a citizen review panel to operate within or alongside the existing Division of State Police Internal Affairs Unit?
1: Listen, I this has been done before. Um, I have to tell you, I have unlimited regard for our state police. I think they're the finest state police in America, led by an extraordinary leader in Pat Callahan. And by the way, they're they're in a world of hurt because one of their recruits passed this week, uh, Luke Homeyer, so please keep him and his, his memory and his family in your prayers. Um, I don't know the context, Ryan, as to why specific to the state police. Um, you know, we've put a fair amount of things in place here that I think are working, and I'll give you an example. It's not specific to the state police in any specific sense, but if there is an officer-involved shooting.
0: I'm sorry I have to interrupt. We're going to take a quick break, Governor, and I'll let you finish that when we we come back. back. Thank you. And I'm Nancy Solomon. We're coming to you live with New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Sorry to cut you off there, Governor. Why don't you, um, you were talking about a citizen review board for the state police.
2: No,
1: I literally got cut off. The <laughs> line went dead, so I, I thought it was something I said. Um, now, what I was going to say to Ryan's uh, question, and again, I, I think the state police is the, our 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 team is the finest on the land. Um, but what one of the areas where folks historically have looked at a citizen review, citizen independent panel board, is related, uh, not entirely, but in many cases, to officer involved. Shootings or officer-involved fatalities, and so I signed a law that requires automatically that those either of those situations are reviewed by an independent prosecutor, and and it must end up in a grand jury. Uh, Regardless, regardless of what the outcome is, that's the process that has to be pursued. Historically, that has been where you have had not entirely, but a lot of the impetus behind these citizen review boards. And I, I feel like that has been a huge step, uh, uh, toward in, in, in the right direction.
0: Okay. And let's, um, we're going to stay with broadly criminal justice for a couple of minutes. Uh, we have Gary from Jersey city on the line to speak with you.
2: Hey, Gary. Hello. Can you hear me? Hey, yep. uh, Governor Murphy, again, thanks for taking the call. I really appreciate taking uh, comments from the public. Uh, My question surrounds the current hunger strike at the Bergen County Detention Center and the recent renewal by Hudson County to renew their contract with ICE. I find this antithetical to New Jersey values as well as Democratic values, and I'd like to hear a comment from you on that. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, Gary, it's not the first time I've been asked about this, and I, I would just say, a couple of things. Number one, this is just a fact. So in, in, in this case, I don't have the authority over these county-level decisions. That's just a fact. They, this is a um, relationship between the county and the federal government. But let me say unequivocally, nobody should have to be on a hunger strike, uh, period. Uh, I believe with all my heart that our immigrant brothers and sisters are a vital part of the fabric of our state. And of our nation, and by the way, in many respects, as I've said many times on this show, we are the most diverse state in America, and we benefit from our immigrant communities disproportionately. Um, and so we wear that as a badge of honor. I will also say this. Uh, no state in America took the step that our Attorney General, Grabeer Graywall, did with his Immigrant Trust Directive, which was early in our administration and our time together. Uh, And that that makes it clear that law enforcement agencies should focus their resources on the core priority of law enforcement and protecting all New Jerseyans, rather than advancing some wrongful, which we've had a lot coming out of Washington over the past, I need not tell you, Gary, over the past four years, of, of wrongful targeting of immigrants and perpetuating this sort of us versus them reality a, and frankly a culture of fear we are i've Nancy, my math is failing me 28 and, and 20 we're 48 days away from a biden harris administration and i'm looking forward to working with them to build on our progress uh, which is not complete clearly to create an environment where immigrants feel safe welcome in our communities and i think even more importantly where they feel they've got the confidence, as I've said this from day one, to step out of the shadows into the sunlight uh, and engage with law enforcement and feel, frankly, protected by law enforcement. So that's – I could go on, but I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: We did get quite a few questions um, about this issue because it, it spans – It's the the now 20-day hunger strike is in Bergen County. In Hudson County, the freeholders renewed the ICE contract for 10 years after a... 12-hour long meeting of activists and and residents saying they did not want them to do that. Yep. And in Elizabeth at the Federal Detention Center in Elizabeth which is Essex no I'm sorry that's well it's right on the border it's of Elizabeth's Essex and Union and Union, Union, Union County. County right? yep. Um there is a report of uh, at least one COVID death at the detention center. So um I guess you know what I'm hearing from people is is that they they want you to get involved and and act because yeah, this I mean, is not humane
1: let, let, let me say on the COVID death every fatality uh we mourn right so there's confirmed fifteen thousand three hundred and seventy three um and and that is i think i got asked the question by Stephen whether or not we were going to vaccinate folks who are in the criminal justice system both both folks in the system as well as staff uh and whether listen whether it's ice whether no matter what it is those folks are vulnerable uh, and they need to be treated as such. Uh, and that includes whether it's testing uh, all the way to vaccines and just a uh, humane treatment. This is not a system that, that uh, if I could wave a magic wand and change this reality, I would do it. Trust me. Um, I will say this. Uh, I'm proud of a whole range of steps. I've already enumerated a bunch of them that we've taken as a state. We have a real opportunity, and this is probably the most important piece here, in 48 days with a new federal administration to turn the page. That's the big game changer in this particular instance. And please, God, that's exactly what will happen.
0: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Mike in Jersey City on the line. Hi, Mike.
2: Hi. How are you, hey guys? Mike? Um, are you? Yeah. Thank you, Governor, for taking my call. My pleasure. I was just wondering, um,
1: I know you guys are... Um, Glad that Biden is our uh, uh, president-elect, and we're going to build that Hudson River Tunnel. When are you going to get started on that? Boy, I hope soon, Mike. Um, I, I, listen, I, I have to say this. We've found ground, a common ground with the Trump administration, and he deserves credit for that and his team, and I think we do as well. And if it meant saving lives or if it meant finding, uh, creating jobs or if it meant saving small businesses, restaurants, gyms, you name it, uh, unemployment insurance, working with that FEMA workaround. Um, we've laid the politics at the door, and we have found common ground. And the reason I say that is is that the, uh, President Trump in June gave us the go-ahead on one of the big pieces of the Gateway Tunnel Project, and that is the Portal North Bridge. <clears throat> and, and I'm proud we were able to find that common ground. I'm overwhelmingly uh, enthusiastic about the incoming Biden-Harris administration at many levels, but infrastructure is at or near the top of the list. So I would say to you, Mike, this is soon. I think this is, I don't want to put a date on it, I think this is first or second quarter of 2021, where this is not just the Portal North Bridge, but the whole shooting and match. Uh, we're beginning to put shovels on the ground. This thing is ready to go. It's still a huge huge blunder that we canceled the arc tunnel now 10 years ago it would have been open now pieces of it for two or three years Uh, but we have a chance to uh, right that wrong and i'm optimistic that'll start sooner than later
0: Thanks for your call, Mike. We have a question from Philip from East Rutherford who wrote into our online tool. Thank you for all your administration is doing to ensure the integrity of public health. My workplace was deemed essential because it processes international parcels. On paper, it seemed to have correct COVID-19 policies. In practice, Mask wearing has improved in recent weeks, but is inconsistent. Front office gets deep cleaned after an exposure is known, but the warehouse workstations are only cleaned if the worker does so. And there is no basic sanitizing between users of the same station and equipment. The front offices have two air purifiers, but the warehouse area has weak ventilation. The company has asked at least one worker who tested positive not to tell others, and the company does not seem to adhere to contact tracing best practices. Uh, those who choose to use the non-sanitized break area are not physically distancing. My question is, how to address inequities in compliance, and what can low-wage workers do to improve compliance?
1: Yeah, that's a completely unacceptable situation, Philip. Uh, so I'm going to ask Dan Bryan to figure out. Uh, it's probably going to be Rob Saro, Angelo, or the Attorney General. We're going to follow up with Philip. Uh, it's particularly discouraging to hear this because, like a lot of things most employers are doing the right thing, and we have to tip our hat to them. And even more so, working with Congressman Donald Norcross and others, the federal government, and, and Nancy, this is another big gap where I'm optimistic the Biden-Harris administration will immediately address address OSHA, which, as you know, is the place at the federal government level which sets workplace standards, has completely vacated its responsibility as it relates to COVID. Um, and so we were, we, we've been pounding away, I mentioned Donald Nor- Norcross and other of our delegation, to try to get the feds to come up with COVID-specific, these are your, as an employer, these are your obligations. As an employee, these are your rights. And they, they still have not done that. So we finally said, you know what, the hell with it. I signed an executive order, which is crystal clear, what the employer obligations are, and what the employee rights are. It includes separation, plexiglass, or other uh, separates. It's the employer's responsibility to have a mask for the employee. It's their responsibility to have clean surfaces. It's their responsibility to give employees breaks to wash their hands with soap and water. What Philip described is not only unhealthy, and I think an outlier, but completely at odds With the spirit and letter of that executive order. So we're going to follow up with him um, because he has rights and he deserves to exercise them.
0: And can you give me any sense of, you know, what kind of actual, like, inspections and oversight so that when you say that you believe that this company is an outlier, you know, what do you base that on?
1: Well, we have a we have a basic a complaint page. So go to the same. I forget the name of the page. Dan Bryan will shoot me a note and tell me. But covid19.nj.gov is again the master um, the master website that oversees all of our COVID-related information. And there's a page on there. It might even be called, called complaint, uh, where you just go on there and you register if you've got a, a, an issue in your workplace. And our folks again whether it's Rob Sarah Angelo in the Department of Labor the attorney general whoever it might be they follow up on those and they run them to ground and folks aren't bashful telling us if there's a problem believe me as you hear on <laughs> your show yeah. uh so <laughs> that's that's the basis upon which i make that statement i'm not suggesting we're batting a thousand but those stories and uh, when we hear them we got to you know there was a restaurant the other uh, you probably saw this last week that just completely flew in the face of social distancing uh, the portobello and, yeah i mean come on uh, and so when people do that, they have to pay a price for that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think everyone has witnessed some of this in their own area of no New question. Jersey.
1: No question. Uh, As have I.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Mike from Montclair on the line. Hi, Mike.
2: Hi, how are you this evening? Hey, Mike. Hi, Governor Murphy. Thank you for all of your work that you've been doing in the state of New Jersey. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your leadership. I want to ask, I don't know that it's any, and I'll keep my question brief because they asked me to do that. I don't know that it's any new news to any of us that communities of communities of color has been disproportionately disenfranchised and marginalized by much of what's going on with COVID as far as economic disenfranchisement. Um, has there been any talk within your administration about the impact of mental health wellness that, much of what's been going on right now has impacted and how it's impacted communities of color in the state of New Jersey. And if not, is there some platform in which I might be able to express an interest by maybe communicating with someone in your administration about how this, these issues with COVID and so forth and, and the economy and what's going on with um, you know, people's livelihood is impacting communities of color and in their mental health state? Yeah,
1: I mean, these are great points, Mike, and the answer is yes. I'll get someone. I think if Carol Johnson's on, uh, I'd love Carol to follow up with you. Um, She spends an enormous amount of time on our mental health programs, on our uh, addiction programs, the whole suite of services. Um, And and if Carol's listening, she's an outstanding leader. I'll have her follow up with you. Uh, And we have spent a lot of time. The research is overwhelming Uh, in supporting the communities of color have paid a disproportionate price, not just with COVID, uh, but with the economic fallout and with the mental health fallout. There's just no question about it. That's why I mentioned earlier when you look at, uh, and I've said this on this program before, with Nancy, COVID-19 didn't create the inequities, but it has laid them bare. And so our job is not to go back to some rose-colored point in the past when everything was hunky-dory, um, that that didn't exist. We need to take the state, look forward, uh, build middle class out, reach out to our working poor, our communities living in under a poverty, poverty line, our communities of color especially. We mentioned our immigrant communities. And take us all to a place that we need to be that we've never been before. So the answer, the quick answer, Mike, is we have, and I will have Car- Carol reach out and follow up with you.
0: Okay, let's try to squeeze in one more quick call. We have Diane from Union on the line. Diane? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Diane. What's your question? Hey, Hey, Governor Murphy. Thank you. Um, I've been driving a truck under the former owner's registration and insurance for many months because I cannot transfer the title, and I can't drive my own car because I was... Been out of town a lot, and I misremembered when the registration was up, and thought it had been extended to the end of the year, and I was wrong. Now, at one point, I had to wait online four days in a row. I waited once in the rain for them to give out numbers, and now they're only taking appointments online, and I can't get an appointment. Okay, I need to be able to drive my car. But the main thing is, why when a registration is up? Why can't you renew it online? Why can't you do it on the phone? Why, why is DMV like Okay, thank you, Diane. Why can't they handle the backlog? Okay, thank you, hey, Diane.
1: Diane, I'm going to have Sue Fulton, who runs the Motor Vehicles Commission, herself follow up either tonight or tomorrow.
0: Have the uh, lines gotten any better at the DMVs? I haven't th- looked lately. They've
1: gotten better, but, uh, and Sue and her team have done a terrific job. It's a tsunami. They've put a lot of stuff online, and there's now much more of an app- appointment mindset. So it's gotten better, but it's still not where it needs to be. And and she's going to stay at it, and I'm going to stay at it until it gets there.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to have to leave it there, Governor. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Nancy, covid19.nj.gov slash violation.
0: Okay, good. So if you're having a problem in your workplace, that's the place to go to report it. You bet. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. This show was produced by Doug Doyle with help from Joseph Cabriglione, Sean Bowditch, Joseph Fernandez, Chris Tobin, and Alexandra Hill. And our engineer is Corey Goldberg. I'm Nancy Solomon. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back in the new year. This is Ask Governor Murphy.